Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are now listening to the Unscripted Ohio Podcast. Brought to you by Buckeye Grove. For all the latest Buckeyes news, analysis, reaction, and the best Ohio State community on the entire internet, head over to BuckeyeGrove.com or follow us on Twitter at Ohio State Rivals. Without any further delay, it's time to get unscripted. Broadcasting from Podcast Central, a place that is not his mother's basement. Hey, Ma, we get some meatloaf? We promise. Here's your host, Kyle Lamb. Hey, Good Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Unscripted Ohio Podcast presented by BuckeyeGrove.com. It is Michigan Week, and I am Kyle Lamb coming to you from Broadcast Central, a place that, as the tagline suggests, is not my mother's basement, I promise. So it is Michigan Week, and unless you were living in a cave under a rock in an ocean, uh, maybe a biosphere, somewhere where you did not have access to the internet or television or any kind of media, you probably know that Ohio State uh, scraped by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin against Maryland, coming up with a one-point victory in overtime on the road in College Park against the Terrapins. It came down to a two-point conversion in overtime, and you just knew, and I said it on Twitter, as soon as Ohio State scored on that first possession in overtime, you knew Maryland was absolutely going for the win, going for the jugular if they got a chance to do so. Uh, It was not a pretty win. Um, Ohio State's defense took several steps back after a really good performance against Michigan State. And the thing is, I know... Everybody has it in their mind that Michigan State is so bad offensively, and and statistically they they are bad offensively, but the thing about it is that at least Michigan State's offense did have a reason to be bad. They've had a lot of injuries at wide receiver. Uh, The offensive line performance by Michigan State, I don't, you know, you can't really, uh, you can't sugarcoat that very much. They've been bad on, on the offensive line, but they have had injuries at receiver. But statistically speaking, comparing Michigan State to Maryland, uh, the offenses were compar- comparable. Um, you know, coming into the game, they they had very similar S and P plus rankings. So it's not like Ohio State went from uh, playing a you know one of the historically worst offenses in the in the nation to you know an offensive juggernaut because Maryland has not been an offensive juggernaut. I don't think there was much of a difference at quarterback, even though Kasim Hill is out for the season. Tyrone Prigger- Tyrone Pigram. Uh, taking his place. I don't think there's a big drop-off there. I think they're pretty similar quarterbacks. But still, statistically, it's not like Ohio State 
you know, played a, a juggernaut offensively. Nebraska was a lot better offense uh, statistically than Maryland was, and Ohio State did not struggle with Nebraska nearly as much as they struggled in this case. But anyhow, the point here is that Maryland went for the win. They failed. This was a weird game for a lot of reasons, uh, aside from the fact that Ohio State put up nearly 700 yards of total offense. They gave up almost 550 yards of total offense. But it was a strange game in that Ohio State's defense played really, really bad in the first quarter and the fourth quarter and overtime. But the second quarter, they played decent. Third quarter, they played really well. Uh, There's still a lot of schematic issues, some tackling issues, uh, some things that I do want to address, and Kirk and Ross will be here in a few minutes for our Monday breakdown. We'll get into those schematics because... I think we are at the crux of the issue here for the Ohio State defense. I think it's fair to say that this is not as talented as a defense as Ohio State has had in the past, but it's not like they're without talent. It's not a speed issue. Um, It's not a physicality issue. I'm not even sure necessarily that it's a mindset issue. I think there are... uh, There is a lack of leadership on this defense where Ohio State's offense... Uh, has some leadership coming through. Haskins is not a natural-born leader, but he is showing some signs of becoming that J.K. Dobbins, being kind of forceful, showing emotion here. I think Ohio State's offense is on the right track, and I think they've got a chance to do something that no other team has really done this year, and, and that is put up points against Michigan. But it is Michigan, and by the way, big week on the show. I'm going to have a special podcast on Thanksgiving that I hope you will listen to. Uh, we will preview the Ohio State-Michigan game uh, with our friends over at the Wolverine.com, who covers Michigan for the Rivals Network. So we will get the Michigan perspective of this game. Uh, I will talk a lot about it, of course, on Thursday and Friday. On Friday, Bill Bender of the Sporting News will be along. Uh, we'll cover Ohio State-Michigan as well as talk about some of the playoff scenarios and what's going on and what needs to happen for Michigan or Ohio State if they win this game and then go to the Big Ten Championship against Northwestern. So we'll get into scenarios and, and some of the, the other stuff. But we will also talk to Mark Gibbler on the Friday show as there is a big visit weekend for the Buckeyes coming up. So we'll get into that. And I have a few other surprises as well. But once again, I will have a special edition of the Unscripted Ohio podcast on Thursday, a Thanksgiving special, and then Friday as well. So very much looking forward to previewing this huge game for Ohio State and Michigan. Look, I know what you're thinking. Ohio State looked like blah on on Saturday. It was not pretty. Um, you know what? I have a couple of, of thoughts and observations about this, though. Ohio State defense, there's, there's no excusing giving up 550 points to that Maryland team that has struggled at large in large stretches. Now, the running game has been somewhat successful. Some of that is getting off to an early start. They ran for a lot of yards early in the year, but as the Big Ten schedule has gone on, that average has come down a little bit. But they had three guys averaging six, seven, eight yards a carry. They have a lot of guys that have carried it this year successfully. As a team, they were averaging nearly six yards a carry. So this Maryland offense has done well running the ball. So what they did to Ohio State was not totally unusual. Now, Anthony McFarlane running for just you know seven yards shy of 300 yards, that's just absolutely incredible to think about. Uh, nobody has done that since uh, Tim Biaka Batuka did against Ohio State back in 1993. Um, and I know nobody wants to think about, I guess, or I'm sorry, it was 1995 where that happened. Nobody wants to think about that game. That was a nightmare. 
but on the other hand, Ohio State has been incredibly successful in this series against Michigan, so maybe that uh, that nightmare has fallen back in people's memories just a little bit. But look, the thing is, I'm not sugarcoating what happened to Ohio State on defense. It, it was it was ugly. It it certainly gives you some pause. It gives you some worry and. You could dismiss it. If it were just one game, you could dismiss it as, okay, no big deal. It's not going to play a factor, play a role against Michigan this upcoming week. But obviously, Ohio State's defense has not been very good this year. This is not the first time that we've had this conversation, this discussion. Uh, It it feels like Groundhog Day. I'm going to be asking Kirk and Ross about what happened here to the Ohio State defense. We've been through this before. We've seen this movie. That being said, you know, I I went to I I posted on Twitter after this game. I said, "Look, you can't judge this game. You can't judge the Michigan game and what you think the result is going to be on Saturday uh, by what Ohio State did or did not do against Maryland because we've seen this so many times before in the past." I said, "The Ohio State Michigan rivalry does not matter. Does not care what you did the week before or what you did." previous weeks against other opponents. First of all, the transitive property doesn't work. Second of all, different styles, different circumstances. The Ohio State defense has struggled with the boundary runs, and there are certain things that they have consistently had problems with. And Michigan presents some of those problems. Don't get me wrong. There are some issues uh, that Michigan brings to the forefront against the Ohio State defense. But still, Maryland does run a slightly different offense, and what Maryland did will not necessarily carry over to Michigan. But the other thing I said, aside from the fact that the rivalry has shown that what you do in previous weeks doesn't really matter, I have the stats to back that up. And I posted this, I don't know if you saw it Saturday Saturday evening on my Twitter account at, at KYLAM8, or if you saw it Sunday. But there is proof here <laughs> that Ohio State looking very, very suspect or very poor the game before Michigan, just doesn't carry over. You know, I went back, since 2001, Ohio State has had nine games out of 18, out of 17, I'm sorry, um, nine games out of 17, they have either lost outright, gone to, or gone to overtime in order to win. They're 5-0 and in overtime, and they've had four losses outright. Okay, that's the week before Michigan. Out of those nine games, seven of them, they bounced back since 2001. Seven and two, they bounced back and beat Michigan the very next week. So going to overtime, struggling, losing a game, you would think that it makes Ohio State vulnerable against Michigan, but it has not. They've still won seven of those nine situations where they came back the next week and beat the Wolverines. So... In one of those years, by the way, 2011, they, they struggled against everybody, and they still nearly won in Ann Arbor. So this Ohio State team has been able to overcome very sloppy, suspect games before. Five overtime wins the week before Michigan since 2001. That right there tells you a lot. And in addition to those nine games I mentioned, two other times Ohio State has only won by a field goal or less. So... That's 11 out of 17 games that Ohio State has really been taken down to the wire or flat out lost right before playing the Wolverines, and they still have managed to get it done. So bottom line here is 
I'm not saying that there aren't reasons to be concerned about where Ohio State's defense is at. But I am telling you that ultimately you can't look at this game as some kind of litmus test for what will happen against Michigan on Saturday. It just flat out, for whatever reasons, this rivalry, the game results just sort of stand for themselves. It's a different game. It's a different situation. You can pretty much, I I know it's so cliche to say, but you really do just kind of have to throw out the records. Uh, You know, the winner of this game is going to be based on who shows up that day, who makes the plays, who, who gets it done in the trenches. It's going to be a toughness thing. It's going to be making plays. There are a lot of, a lot of aspects, a lot of roles here, a lot of things that, uh, that make this game what it is, but what happened against Maryland on Saturday, the one point victory in overtime, it's just not going to mean a hill of beans when it comes to kickoff noon Eastern time, ABC, Ohio state, Michigan, uh, the renewal of the rivalry, it's just not going to matter. And that's that's my biggest point, my biggest takeaway here. So, look, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Kirk and Ross coming up here in just a second. Like I said, on Thursday, Thanksgiving, I'll have a special Unscripted Ohio podcast as we preview Ohio State-Michigan. And then I'll carry that over to our normal Friday podcast where we talk about the recruiting aspect who Ohio State has coming in. Mark Gibbler will give us the latest on all the visitors, and Bill Benner of the Sporting News will be along as we look at the bigger picture. What are the scenarios? And I know some of you are saying, and some of you have told me, and I understand on Twitter, you want this to be about Ohio State-Michigan. It's about the game, right? You know, at the end of the day, none of these scenarios matter for Ohio State if they don't win the game. Uh, And that's very true. Ohio State has to win or else the playoff playoff discussion is over the Big Ten discussion is over it's all or nothing for Ohio State this week when it comes to this game so yeah from that standpoint I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the playoff scenarios but they are there and with West Virginia going down uh, Ohio State is in position Uh, you got to become an Alabama fan by the way I'll talk more about that with Bill on Friday but you really have to root for Alabama because Georgia knocking off Alabama uh, could be the death knell to Ohio State's playoff chances, even with a win against Michigan and a win against Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. Alabama losing would probably be the thing that knocks Ohio State out of the discussion. Now, if Alabama takes care of business and Ohio State wins out, then it's going to come down to Ohio State and whether Oklahoma wins out or Washington State wins out. It's going to come down to one of those three teams, assuming, of course, Notre Dame and Clemson both win out. And it, Clemson is on easy street right now. I don't see them losing. I don't see Notre Dame losing to USC, but, you know, who knows? Stranger things have happened. So we'll get into playoff scenarios a little bit on Friday. I'm not going to spend a ton of time, but I do want to talk about it because they are there and they are relevant. Uh, so uh, I got Kirk and Ross coming up, and I'll talk some Ohio State basketball late in the show as the Buckeyes stay with their winning ways. Uh, they came out with an 89-61 win against South Carolina State. But I will talk about that just briefly at the end of the show. Let's get into the X's and O's, schematics, what happened with Ohio State-Maryland with Kirk and Ross. Ross Fulton is here with his whiteboard to break down what the Buckeyes and their opponents are doing on the field. Can't see the whiteboard? Close your eyes and imagine really hard. It's time to go inside the X's and O's with Ross. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. 
All right, Kirk and Ross are with me, and we're going to break down whatever the heck that is we saw on Saturday. Um, uh, let's get right into it. I want to. I want to spend the first uh, ten minutes or so. We'll kind of uh, talk about the travesty we saw on defense for Ohio State against Maryland, and then we'll we'll spend kind of the second ten, you know, kind of ballparking and generalizing uh, about this big matchup that we have uh, coming up this week. So, um, Ross, I'm going to get right into it here and start with you. Um, you know, the defense was good in stretches and just outright horrible in others. And, like, the second and third quarter, second was quarter was decent. Third quarter was really good. But then they got back. I thought maybe they wore down a little bit in the fourth quarter. They got back into some bad habits and then gave up some big plays in the pass game downfield. Uh, but here's here's the thing people are asking, and, and, and this is kind of what I'm curious about. We have seen... So many big plays there, and you've mentioned that probably 80% of their big plays on the run game are coming to the boundary, and, and Maryland was sh- just shredding them in the first half. You know, two of the first four plays went for two runs of 150 yards, and that's where, you know, Anthony McFarland almost 300 yards rushing against Ohio State, which hasn't been done since Tim Biakabatuka, and I know people don't want to hear that name this week of all weeks. Uh, but so here's the question I have. Watching these run plays develop, why is it that this year of all years we are seeing so many times we've seen safeties miss tackles to go for these long plays, but why is it that it's coming down to a safety having to make the tackle in space or else, you know, they're giving up touchdowns? That, that's what I'm not Be- understanding. Be- <laughs> this time it's not me. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. In short, because they're overshifting their linebackers to the field uh, against those trips formations. So, for ex- example, yesterday was it was very blatant because Maryland, obviously, Matt Canada saw that on film, and they went unbalanced to the field. They'd shift their tackle over, and Ohio State's linebackers would be way out of place. So you'd have Pete Warner 25 yards outside the box and what's called a full cover down, meaning he's like head up on the slot receiver. So he's basically out of, he's a, a, essentially a defensive back at that point. Then you'd have the Mike Tough Borland also outside the tackle box, outside the tight end to the field. So you're now left with five defenders against the six offensive line blockers running the opposite way, leaving basically your cornerback in, as your uh, essentially becoming your new linebacker. So like that first one that was on Damon Arnett, not providing force support, but you know, you're asking your corner to be a linebacker there. And then the safety essentially has to be- become your other linebacker. And to like throw gasoline on the fire, it would leave Malik Harrison as the one linebacker in the box. And inexplicably, I, I mean, I hope this is honestly just him messing up as opposed to like some kind of coaching technique they're using. He would fly to the, to the play side or to the wide side of the field. Even though the run play was just an inside zone the other way, there was like no action that suggested he should go that way. So it basically left the Brent, Brennan White, the boundary safety, with like two gaps to cover, which is pretty tough coming downhill. And obviously, you know, so yeah, you're, you have one guy to make a tackle. And if he misses, it's gone instead of having any semblance of uh, gang tackling because you got players in, in the vicinity. Yeah. And Kirk, this is really strange because it's like, it's not only. You know, I, I think we can we can attribute this to two things. I mean, certainly in the you know in the back defensive backfield, they're just not as as good as we've seen at Ohio State in the past. 
But you also have to question the scheme because it's like, okay, you know, we're on week number 11 now. The Ohio State coaching staff should see that they're not capable of making these plays as consistently as they'd like. And you would think that you would change the scheme to fit the personnel by, you know, by this time of the season, right? I mean, isn't it a fair question to ask why they keep allowing this? Even if, if this scheme had worked in the past with different personnel, it's clearly not working with this personnel. So it, it has to be asked, why haven't they changed this? I, you know, it's one of those questions where I just, you know, I don't, I don't have words for it. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, the way I judge how good players are is if in our, our rivals, Yahoo College Football Fantasy Leagues, if that player is a free agent and he scores like 50 points like uh, Booker McFarlane's kid did, then I know that <laughs> something's amiss. Because like, I was I was like, does anybody even have this guy? And I looked and he's like the top added free agent. And I was like, yeah, no one even has him. And my league's like <laughs> super active. So, you know, but it's, you know, to me, it's like, if you want to take a Coach Meyer quote, there's there's no such thing as stupid players. There's just stupid coaches. You know, that's that's something I heard many a time in the staff room. So I'm just saying, like, I know that that's harsh, but that's that's an urbanism. Well, and, and, and if I could add something real quick, it's almost just like it just it's some level common sense, but like they don't adjust to the opponent. So it's like that was like their day one install. Like this is how we defend like cover one or cover four. Like we're going to put our linebacker over here, like in these positions. But like. Just practically speaking, you're like, look at who we're playing. Like, it's a, essentially a triple option team. The quarterback can, as a very inconsistent at best, throwing the football. Like, to take an example, Don Brown in Michigan would never just, like, sit his linebackers out there playing Maryland. He'd put eight guys in the box. and be like, prove to me that you can consistently throw the football to the wide side of the field. And, like, you know, they would have shut him down because the plays where Ohio State did have gap alignment and gap soundness, I bet Maryland had negative yards rushing. Well, and you know, here's the thing, Ross. You you mentioned this during the game on Twitter, and this is what perplexes me. Like the the first touchdown that they gave up in the fourth quarter, the one that Sheffield gave up, and and I thought that was good coverage. I mean, Sheffield was there with him. He got a hand up, hit the ball, and just deflected right into the receiver's hands. Sheffield had pretty good coverage on that. But you mentioned the why are they playing press coverage in that situation anyhow? You know, with a quarterback that allegedly the book on him is he can't throw the ball downfield accurately. What are they even? I'm not even sure why they're playing press coverage in that situation. I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, again, it's I, I, it's like they're stuck on day one install. Like, well, this is what we tend to do on third and eight. And it's like, well, let's take into account like the factor, like the game situation who you're playing, like sit in a soft cover three. Like, I mean, we can say Sheffield had good position, but I, it, he, it's an awfully high rate of times when he has like, quote unquote, pretty good position and gets beat. So, like, why are you – that guy could throw the deep ball, okay, but he was never going to com- sit there and complete, like, eight-yard dig after eight-yard dig against you. So, so, like, sit in a cover three, put your linebackers in the box, and just, like, who cares if that's not what you normally do? Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, Kirk, I, I want to ask you this question. I, I kind of felt like in the first quarter it was mostly scheme that was burning them, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of residual effect subconsciously with – okay, you know, this is the game before Michigan, and that's something I talked about earlier on the show. You know, we have seen a trend here of games being, you know, closer than maybe they should be the week before Michigan, and and there's probably a psychological reason for that. But I thought in the fourth quarter, and tell me if I'm wrong, 
I thought the defense actually looked tired in the fourth quarter. Did you get that impression? Well, I mean, when you're chasing a guy who's run for 300 yards against you, I mean, <laughs> that would be pretty tired. I mean, damn. I mean, they're not, you know, they're football players. They're not cross-country runners. But, you know, they had to basically run a 5K yesterday to to track down that running back. But, you know, I I don't know. I, I always think there's a little bit of the psychology to Michigan's next week. And, you know, everyone's saying you're going to kill Maryland. And, you know, they don't have their starting quarterback. And... You know, they're not really playing for anything, and you're playing for everything. And I think that was pretty evident yesterday that our guys weren't really locked in. But even still, I mean, it's alarming that we got shredded the way we did. And and in reality, if that quarterback completes that two-point conversion, it is a sad day in Columbus right now. Because, I mean, that guy was wide open in the end zone. We just got lucky. I, I will say on that play uh... – yeah, Ohio State got a little lucky, but th- then again, they had a lineman blocking, you know, way downfield. Oh, there. Oh, yeah, three, oh, yeah. three yards yeah, into the, right the end ta- zone. The right, was... the right tackle was like six yards down. Field. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, Ohio State, Ohio State's never going to get that call. <laughs> you know, they'll, just, they'll show him celebrating, you know. He'll be touching the, I mean, the, the right tackle will be touching the goalpost, and they'll be like, oh, okay, <laughs> Maryland. Now, I want to I turn our attention to the positives of this game, and you know because this kind of ties in as a good segue to what we're looking ahead to with Ohio State and Michigan this week. Um, you know, so Nevada Buck on the Horseshoe Lounge here this week on BuckeyeGrove.com uh, had mentioned he was hearing that um, you know Dwayne Haskins has really kind of clicked as far as a leader, and he's been shown to be uh, somebody that's really stepped up in practice and has kind of changed his mindset and his attitude and and you can see things clicking for him in practice. And I got to say, I mean, this game was uh, looked like a Dwayne Haskins to me that was on a whole other level, uh, both with his leadership and his accuracy and just making plays. You know, over goes for over 400 yards. They bring the zone read back into the play or back into the scheme, and, you know, he, he runs for three touchdowns on top of his passing yards. Uh, Kirk, this looks like a Dwayne Haskins that, uh, you know, I, I know it's a tough test he's got this week. The whole, you know, this whole Michigan defense is going to be tough uh, with or without Chase Winovich, whether he plays or not. But this looks like Haskins, you know, maybe things have clicked for him just based on what he played. I mean, they put up almost 700 yards against the team, giving up 340 a game. Uh, what do you make of Haskins and his mindset here going into this game? I, I think him finally pulling the ball and read options is going to be a game changer. Now he still he still runs like a guy who's had about you know twenty beers at Heinegate, <laughs> but it's one of those things where you know I just him pulling it and having three rushing touchdowns changes his whole dynamic. You know, it's not it's not pretty when he runs, but. You know, Urban essentially called him a pussy, like at the press conference. He says, Oh, he's gonna be tougher in leadership. He's gonna actually pull those balls and have the you know, the umph to run it. You know, because Urban loves like Tebow and he loves like JT and kids that, you know, they're not scared to lower the shoulder or Cam Newton. So like Dwayne hasn't showed us that at all. You know, he's been very I guess tippy toeish um when he's ran the ball. He you know, he slides four yards before anyone can even touch him, but I think uh, you know it's going to be a new dynamic that she's going to have to account for this week. And Ross, I mean, we've talked about it so many times. Just having that numbers advantage, it, we saw. I mean, Ohio State's offense was so much better, even on third and fourth and short this week, by having uh, the ability for Haskins to make that read and keep it. Um, like Kirk said, you know, he's not going to be uh, you know accused of being a graceful runner. It wasn't pretty, but he got the job done. 
just by a being able to turn the corner and just go get those couple yards. Ohio State did really well on third and fourth down this week. Yeah, and you know, I would say that the defense somewhat overshadowed that to me that was the best offensive game they've had all year, all things considered, as you kind of alluded to. Maryland is actually a pretty decent defense. They're a horrible offense, which makes it all the more um, you know, crazy. But anyways, yeah, that him pulling it is, you know, A, it's it, at some level kind of frustrating because I'm, I'm convinced they'd be undefeated and would have beaten Purdue if they had done, been able to do that in the red zone a few times and get up in that game. But nevertheless, like it opens, you know, I'll show, I'm going to, I have a clip that I'm going to put in my article this week where like all of a sudden you see that Maryland backside outside linebacker sitting. And what do you know, like tight zone starts working and they ran inside zone. You know, they did some nice things yesterday to like play with tendencies to not always tell which way it was going, but a vast majority of Dobbins's yards came on their base tight zone play that everyone's come to love to hate this year because of that overhang defender. I mean, you know, Haskins pulling it makes all the difference, just even occasionally, especially in the red zone, makes all the difference in the world. Kirk, you know, Mike Weber, it looks like he, you know, had a quad injury, caused him to not play on Saturday. It sounds like he's going to be good to go for Michigan, but, you know, J.K. Dobbins had nearly 40 carries in this game, uh, well over 30. Um, and you could tell he was noticeably tired by the end of the game. Uh, you know, per, let's assume for a second that Mike Weber, for some reason, cannot go this week. They certainly, I don't think, want to put Dobbins in a position to where he's carrying the ball 30-some times against this Michigan defense. So do they rely, if that happens, do they rely more on Demario McCall, who looked good in, in limited time, or do they maybe turn to a Master Teague who did not play in this game? What 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 do you think they do if, for some reason, Weber can't go against Michigan? I think you just shoot up Weber and make him go and say you don't have a choice. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was bizarre to me because for the whole, you know, most of the game people couldn't understand why he was out, and I was like, you know, if he has no chance of playing, I was like, why does he have his helmet on? Why does he, you know, I mean, most guys, like, you know, I, I guess he might have been, like, the, an ultra, like, emergency mode where he, like, was fully dressed and had his helmet on and stuff. But it was really kind of weird. But, I mean, you know, that's what Icy Hot's for. And, you know, J.K. Dobbins is great because he's, like, he's, like, a pocket size dude that you could just, you know, you could, you could literally fill up a solo cup with ice and water. That could be an ice bath anywhere you go for him because he's so small. So you just dunk, <laughs> dunk him in it and keep him keep his legs fresh after the 40 carries. But, you know, it's it's one of those ones where I think it's like Coach Trusty still has to talk about how guys magically, like, get healthy for the Michigan game. Like, you know, like, I'm sure we'll see Chase Winovich. He looked like he died on the field on Saturday, and he'll be back. And, you know, I'm sure we'll see Mike Weber and – because you know, if you don't see him for this one, I, you got a lot of questions, you know, unless it's something completely like major. But I think I think we'll see Mike this week. Ross, what are they doing on offense? I mean, we know you know they they implemented the zone read finally, but what are they doing on offense? Because whatever they have done, uh, the offensive line is getting noticeably better. They're getting better push. Uh, they're more consistent. They're they're getting positive yards each time. It, you can see a difference in this Ohio State running game right now. I think it's been like that since after the bye. I think occasionally, like last week, it was somewhat covered up by those overhang defenders that I talked about earlier making the tackle on block. But when those guys were accounted for, even against Michigan State, the Ohio State interior got a very good push. And as I said, when you put that together with being able to keep those guys out of the box, and then you can just actually allow the offensive linemen to block the guys they're responsible for, they're doing a pretty good job. And as I said, when you put that together with they did some nice things yesterday, you know, with like 
running inside zone to the t- the halfback and the tight end side, or like running it, you know, flipping around based on where Maryland's alignment was, um, you know, letting Haskins have some ability to, to like do a check with me. Um, but I think it kind of shows at the buy, they, I think they did do some addition by subtraction and basically decided like, you know, we are a zone team. We're going to, this is what we're going to run. We're going to run inside zone and outside zone. And you guys are like, you know, buckle your chin strap and let's do it. And I think that's had, uh, it seems to have had an effect with the offensive line. Kirk, you know, watching Michigan yesterday, they they struggled a little bit more than usual. Uh, defense, actually, you know, Indiana gave them a lot more problems than any team had done so far this year. Um, offensively, they moved the ball pretty well, but one thing that, that stuck out with this Michigan team against Indiana, and it's been kind of a problem for them this year, is they have not finished drives off in the red zone very well. Uh, I'm curious how much you've seen of Michigan, and do you think that that could be an issue against Ohio State th- uh, this week? I, you know, I think it, it could be, you know, it'll be, it's going to be really interesting to see what, you know, how they look with Ed being up there now, you know, because Ed, Ed Warner knows us as good as anybody, you know, now he's on Michigan's sideline and be interesting to see, you know, what they implement, who they go after, you know, because he knows our personnel and he knows our scheme. So that'll be an interesting deal. Plus they run, they run a good amount of the odd front, which is going to be a pain in the butt. And, you know, it'll just be interesting to see who they have because, Bush looked a little dinged up at the end of the game. Winovich allegedly did a collarbone. And, you know, I it'll be interesting to see who makes the trip and who's productive in that game. So, I, you know, I, I feel good about it. You know, I don't – you know, this, this Ohio State team reminds me a lot of the 2013 team where we have a great offense and basically no defense. So, it's like, you know, every game's a shootout, including that 2013 Michigan game, which is the one where Ty had that pick on the – on the two-point play or whatever when they try to win it on us. So, you know, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. You know, I don't I don't know. I, I get Michigan's good, but, you know, everyone's scared to death of them, but they didn't look that great against Indiana, you know. So it's, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting this week. Ross, one thing that, that kind of drives me crazy, and, and I, I understand it a little bit more in this situation because Ohio State has given up a lot of points and a lot of yards to, to some teams that they shouldn't. But I hate comparing, well, you know, Maryland – put up 50 points on Ohio State so can can you imagine what Michigan's going to do I hate I hate that because it's a different offense it's a different situation different circumstance these things are never they're not transitive they don't carry over but I'm curious do you see any similarities or a lot you know how many similarities or differences do you see from what Michigan does to what Maryland was trying to do against Ohio State apparently successfully this past weekend so to me the what has made Michigan a competent offense this year I would say they're great um, but better than they were is the addition of the zone read with Patterson once they started doing that against Wisconsin things really started clicking for them so the first thing to me that you have to do is prepare to play them as a spread run team like yes they'll use multiple tight ends yes they'll occasionally go under center now but like you better be ready to stop like the split zone and then what I you know it's called the bible play it's where the, act, the tight end acts like he's blocking back, and then he pulls around to leave Patterson on the keep. So that, to me, is the first and foremost. If you can stop, if you can contain those gaps, then you'll, you'll be okay, which, uh, you know, saying that, however, is, uh, as we saw, we, the Ohio State's had some issues with gap responsibility and alignment. Um, and so, we'll, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. But obviously, I think, you know, Michigan will move the ball some. So, as you said, it's uh, limiting them in the red zone probably be the key for the defense 
Yeah, Michigan, and I know one similarity. I think you kind of touched on this too. Is Michigan really does like to like overload overload the line to the strong side, and they like to move guys around. So that's that's one thing that yep. Ohio State will have to do much better this week than they did against Maryland. Um, so I, you know, before we wrap this up here, I want to get you guys. I'll have more preview of this game throughout the week, of course, and I'm going to do an extra episode on Thursday as well as one on Friday previewing Michigan. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Very excited about uh, this this week. Um, you have a Thanksgiving Day edition of the podcast. I hope everybody will be able to listen to. But I do want to get your guys' take on this game before we wrap it up. Uh, you know, Kirk, I'll start with you. What do you think, what do you expect here this week between Ohio State and Michigan? I know it's a hard game to predict sometimes. Um, you know, where these two teams are at right now, what, what do you uh, expect in this game on Saturday? It's going to be tough, but I, I know that there's always good karma if I can get Ross to laugh. So, Ross, you're talking about the Bible play, right? Yeah. You're talking about the Bible play? Yes. So, Tom Herman, in 2012, we wanted to put in a throw off of the Bible play. And Tom Herman wanted to call it 1415 Jesus. You know, and Urban is a devout Catholic, and so we like present this play. It's called "Fourteen Fifty Jesus" off of the Bible action, and Urban had an absolute shit fit, and it was one of the funniest <laughs> things. And I was like, "Tom, you're so dumb!" Like I was like, "You know, this guy's like, you know, he's named after a pope, for God's sake." So it's like, but I just, I, I, when you said that, I was like, I gotta, I gotta tell that quick thirty second antidote. Yeah, so Ross laughing at my stupid story is a good karma for the Michigan game. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where you referenced earlier, it's like it's it's hard. And I hate cliches or it's like records don't matter and all that kind of stuff. But, like, you know, in 2004, nobody in a million years would have picked us to beat that Michigan team. Like, that Michigan team was going to the Rose Bowl, and we had just lost to Purdue, and we sucked. And, you know, Troy Smith had, like, you know, his coming out party that day. And, and we won. We were a young team. We beat a, a veteran Michigan team. They had, like, Braylon Edwards and a bunch of guys. So, I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, like 2003, you'd have thought we had a one because we had, like, 20 guys back from the national championship team that beat Miami, and we lost. So, you know, it's really, like, whoever plays the best on the day, whoever is the toughest, and whoever doesn't turn the ball over. And, you know, I, I feel... I feel fine with what we got going on. So, you know, it's 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 not like we're not scoring. You know, I we're giving up a lot of points, but we're scoring. We had 700 yards on Saturday, so it's like they got to make sure they can stop us too now. <laughs> My card, oh and four. <coughs> Sorry, I'm coming down with a cold. Um, uh, so Ross, uh, so yeah, I'll give you a chance to hear wrap 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 this up here. What what do you what do you expect from this? I know you know schematically Michigan you know, presents a lot of problems. Obviously, they're playing really really well, playing better than Ohio State is. But it never comes down to necessarily who was playing the best coming into this game. Uh, we you know it it just matters who makes those extra couple plays and who's a little bit tougher in this game. So how do you see this game playing out, knowing what we've seen in the past in this rivalry? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I gave some of my keys on for the defense. I think if there's one unit that it's been the best this year, it's obviously the Michigan defense. Uh, that said, I think Indiana kind of showed a little bit. The weak, relative weaknesses of the Michigan defense are areas that where Ohio State is strong. Uh, you basically want to get their safeties matched up on your slot receivers, and you want it, their defensive tackles can be moved if you run vertically. And so that 
fits pretty well with Ohio State running tight zone and, you know, featuring Campbell and Hill. Um, you know, I think that it just sort of at the more intangible level, the best thing that can happen to Ohio State is to be an underdog in this game because Ohio State is so used to being the favorite that it totally flips the script for Michigan to come in with all the pressure on them that they're in the playoff spot position. They have to play in Columbus. None of those guys have ever beaten Ohio State. And now you're making Ohio State an underdog at home. Um, and so I think as an Ohio State fan, the bigger the spread can be for Michigan, the better. But, um, you know, and then it comes down to, guy. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, the good thing on this game is it was the first time I would say that he he really made some plays outside the structure of the offense that kind of threw the team on his back and carried them. And so if he can do that, you know, especially scrambling against Michigan's man blitzes, you know, as as Kirk said, I think if Ohio State can score points, they've, they've got a chance. Ohio State and Michigan coming up noon on Saturday. As I said, we will have a special Thanksgiving edition of the Unscripted Ohio podcast. A lot of stuff coming up this week, which I'll talk more about later. Uh, but should be a great game and a great week here on the podcast to preview it. I thank Kirk and Ross for joining me for our weekly breakdown. You can catch Kirk on Twitter at Kirk underscore Barton and Ross on Twitter at Ross R. Fulton. And, of course, both of them are analysts on BuckeyeGrove.com. Guys, I appreciate it, and we will uh, be back next Monday to break down what everybody hopes is a big Buckeye victory. Thanks for joining us, guys, and we will talk to you again next week. Stretch runtime here at Unscripted Ohio. Kick up your feet as we cross the finish line with the Buckeye Beat, the latest in Ohio State news and notes. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. All right, as we wrap up the show here, we're going to have a little bit of Ohio State basketball talk real fast. Not a lot to talk about Ohio State. 89-61 win against South Carolina State. This is a game where they were favored by 30, 31, 31 and a half points. So uh, really, this was about what you would expect, expect for the Buckeyes. They had a lead as high as 35 late in the game before it wound up falling into that final 28-point margin. Uh, but it still, you know... The competition is suspect, and so setting that aside and, and taking that into account, though, this is still a very good win for Ohio State. Caleb Wesson came out and really asserted himself very, very quickly and very easily in the first half, and that was good to see as he did not play well against Creighton. Um, you know, Chris Holtman saying after the game that uh, Wesson had been playing with some flu-like symptoms, so uh, he thought that clearly affected his play. But Wesson looked a lot better in this game. The thing I like about this Ohio State team is they continue to show toughness, uh, although I think they, the defense did let up a little bit in the second half, kind of let uh, South Carolina State never got back into the game. I, I don't think they were within like maybe 22, 24 points in the second half, so it was never really close, never in doubt. But I thought the de- defensive effort did kind of uh, subside just a little bit there in the second half with that big lead. But look, Ohio State... I thought got a really good performance from Musa Jallo, probably his best floor game that he's had, six points, seven rebounds, had a couple of assists, a couple of steals, a couple of blocks. He really played a good all-around game. He was more assertive, got into the paint a little bit, uh, did a good job finding an open man. Um, and, and really, this is just kind of a microcosm of what we're seeing out of this Ohio State basketball team because there are a lot of different guys that can contribute in a lot of different ways. Andre Wesson had a good game. Luther Muhammad, another really good game. Dwayne Washington continues to be instant offense um, on the bench. Coming off the bench, I should say, 
he comes into the game, can light up the scoreboard in a hurry for the Buckeyes. So they have a lot of different guys that can score and a lot of guys that can defend, defend and play interchangeable with different positions and different roles. So this Ohio State basketball team now 4-0 on the season. Tuesday, tomorrow night, they will be home again against Stanford. And then Friday night, remember, is the return to St. John Arena against Cleveland State. That should be a lot of fun seeing the Buckeyes back in St. John Arena. That game, by the way, is sold out. So there will be some nostalgia with that being a sold-out crowd at St. John Arena and also them playing the night before the game should be a lot of fun, should be a great atmosphere being back in St. John Arena. Next week, by the way, Wednesday, November 28th, Ohio State will be home against Syracuse in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Syracuse taking a couple of losses at MSG over the weekend. Still, that will be an interesting test for the Buckeyes. We'll see how they do against a zone, because that's going to be really interesting. You know, Syracuse bringing that 2-3 zone to town. Let's see how Ohio State handles it with ball reversals, three-point shooting, all the like. So that's going to be a tough test, despite the fact Syracuse has been a little up and down so far. But we will preview that, talk a little bit more about it next week. Uh, In the meantime, as I said, Stanford coming up on Tuesday for the Buckeyes, Cleveland State coming up on Friday night for the Buckeyes. And... Uh, Look, it's going to be tough sledding here for the Buckeyes going forward. 20-game league schedule in a Big Ten conference that suddenly is looking like probably the deepest league in America right now. There are legitimately 10, maybe 11 teams that are capable of making the NCAA tournament based on the way they're playing so far. So Buckeye basketball should be a lot of fun to talk about. But this week, as I said earlier, going to be focused on the game Thursday, Thanksgiving, Unscripted Ohio special podcast as we preview Ohio State and Michigan. And then Friday we'll be back, Bill Bender of the Sporting News and also Mark Gibbler of Buckeye Grove Recruiting Analysts. We will talk about recruiting, big visits coming up here for the Buckeyes this weekend. So that is going to do it for me. You can catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch me uh, as well as Kirk and Ross and Mark and Kevin Noon and all of our interns, Andy and Cameron. You can catch us on BuckeyeGrove.com. Catch the show Monday and Friday on Buckeye Grove. And, of course, you can catch it on Thursday as well this particular week. And you can also ca- listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Please find us, search for us, follow us, rate us, review us, the whole nine yards. Anyway, we will be back at you again on Thursday with a special Thanksgiving Unscripted Ohio. I hope you'll listen to then. In the meantime, please have a great week, and we will be back at you on Thursday. Have a good one, everybody. Go Bucks. You can get new episodes of Unscripted Ohio on Mondays and Fridays exclusively at BuckeyeGrove.com or anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all things Ohio State.